Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm so glad you're tuning in today. I invited Jessica Rolf, co-founder of Love Every, onto the podcast to talk to us about supporting positive sibling relationships. Together, we explore how we can support that sibling relationship from the start into early childhood and beyond. We discuss the role that play has in supporting a positive sibling relationship, also the ways in which sibling relationships can support the development of empathy. We talk about sibling rivalry and strategies to support your kids in feeling special on their own. Jessica is a mission-driven entrepreneur. She's the co-founder and CEO of Love Every. We are obsessed with Love Every in our home. We get their subscription play kits for our toddler. We've been getting them for over a year now, and every couple of months, she gets a play kit with toys specific for her age and her development with supported guidance in how to engage in that particular season of life with the toys and just with their development overall. We are such huge fans. If you want to learn more about their subscription play kits, click the link in the show notes. Before Love Every, Jessica was the co-founder and COO of Happy Family. She helped launch, build, and lead Happy Family to its position as a top organic baby and toddler brand in the U.S. today. Basically, she's incredible, and I'm so excited for you to connect with her today, not just as this incredible businesswoman, but also as a mom. She lives in Boise, Idaho with her three children and her husband, and we're talking all about those sibling dynamics today. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, Jessica. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. We were just chatting before I hit record and I was like, we got to hit record because (laughs) I want to be respectful of your time, but I was already enjoying my conversation with you. I wish we could go grab a coffee together, but we're going to share our conversation with the Holding Space listeners today. And I'm so grateful for you taking taking the time for us to do this and to connect with you in this way. I am really excited about our topic today as well. Siblings and sibling relationships, sibling rivalry have had this question come up so many times from the listeners and myself have just lived in it. And so (laughs) to talk about it is to bring the things that happen behind closed doors out to talk about, shedding some light on it. And I love doing that in any which way possible I can to build those connections and feel a little less alone myself. So thank you 
so much for coming on and and connecting with me and the listeners today. I'm thrilled to be here to talk especially about something I'm very have a lot of experience with around siblings and all of the dynamics that can ensue. Mm, and ooh, can the dynamics ensue? My gosh. <laughs> well, before we dive in, could you share a little bit with the listener about who you are, what lights you up, a little bit about your family and the work you do? Yes. So I'm Jessica, and it's so wonderful to be here. I have a lot of passion for the early childhood space. I've actually been building companies and really just staying connected to families and parents and living this mission around early childhood for 18 years now. Wow. So my first company was an organic baby food company. We became the number one in the category and sold that business to Group Danone. So it's called Happy Family. Really went deep into infant nutrition and felt like I really felt confident and I knew what my child needed to eat to develop his developing body to really optimally make the most of that time. But then when it came to brain development and all the toys and all the stuff, and wondering what was going to be healthy for each stage of his of his development, his holistic development, I found myself really confused and didn't really know what to do when I discovered a doctoral thesis, which was written on infant brain development when I had my first. And it sounds really wacky that I had access to this, this document. Somebody had sent it to me and I love nerding it out on the science. It just makes me love you immediately more <laughs> because it's just, it's something that I would say and that people would then look at me and be like, who, what, why? And I'm like, no, but like, what's the data? <laughs> like, because I could, for me, and I've shared about this on the podcast, um, you know, in the beginning with my first, especially, it was like, I wanted to be like the perfect mom. And I wanted to like, get a good grade on this project of parenting. And how I had done that in the past was, you know, by reading and research and, you know, studying. And so the fact that you said that, I was just like, oh, yeah, I get it. You don't need to explain it to me. <laughs> yeah. And I think we all have a hunger for information. We just, I mean, this is the most important job of our lives. And so every parent I've met wants the best for their child yeah. and they want to do the best. So I actually feel very lucky that I came across this really random document. It was a survey of all the brain research at the time. And it put all of this insight from child development experts into the stage-based program. And I'll send it to anybody. You can always DM me on Instagram and get a copy if you want to look at, look at this document. But the point was, is that it showed me that there were all these development windows that were opening and closing in my child's brain over time. And I looked at all the stuff that I had and none of it really related. So I didn't understand how the toys that I had really related to my child's development. And I learned that there are these experiences in my child's craving based on their natural unfolding of skills and interests over time, but it didn't match with the tools that I had. So I started making my own toys and tools. I started obsessing over kind of how I could share this information more broadly than just in my own home. I gave my friends this copy of this doctoral thesis. It never went over well. It was always like, that's <laughs> kind of weird. And thanks for that, but no thanks. And so started dreaming of creating a company that created mm. a stage-based learning program. And that's what Love Every is. So I have three children of my own. I have a, my, they're now 12, uh, 10 and seven. So they're a little bit older, very interested in talking about all the stages of sibling dynamics. And I guess what lights me up is, really, again, this this passion, this this desire to really bring 
more purpose and, and more confidence to early childhood mm-hmm. and for, for parents to feel like they know how to give their child the best at each stage and they just feel good and optimistic and mm-hmm. positive and empowered. Um, I love bringing the nerdy edge to today's parents. So mm. <laughs> I I love that. I love that about you. Thank you. And I just want to quickly share how the role that Love Every has had in our home and how meaningful it's been. You know, with my first, as I said, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ace this project of parenting. And the my anxiety around that really drove me to buy all the things. I mean, like honestly, I think at one point there was not a, a time when like there wasn't something in route back to our house that I had ordered like late night or like thinking, well, this will make it easier that we'll have something to do during the day when I'm ho- home alone with her, or this will help with sleep or with potty learning or all the things. And Love Every is, is brilliant for many reasons, but for me, it's also incredibly meaningful because it you can tell just how much thought and care is put into every everything that comes in that box along, not just the toys, but the the reading material for the parent to bring these ideas to how we can bring what's going on for my child in that stage. And my husband, who is a minimalist to the max, is, and also a, can be quite critical of baby product sort of things. He is your number one fan. He was like this, this, I wish this was around back in the day. Um, because I know that so much thought is put into it. So it feels like it like feeds that part of me. That's like, Ooh, I'm doing like these, I'm doing the right things, but it also allows me to slow down, um, with enoughness. This is enough. And I can get creative with this too, and bring my own intuition and my own care and thought into these honestly, very open-ended toys and and the product that I can then, you know, meet my child with in terms of where they're at. Like it just, it brings all that together in such a beautiful way. So thank you for turning that thesis into this beautiful company. Well, thank you so much for saying that. That means so much. And the concept of enough in parenting is a really uh, philosophical question. So love, there's a lot of exploration there. So thank you for, I'm so glad that Love Every can help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Siblings. All right. I got three. You got three. Um, it's the dynamics are, can be a lot <laughs> and in so many different ways, but I'd love to just kind of first hear a little bit about your own experience and you know what the sibling dynamic has looked like and, and meant to you as you've navigated um, just yourself as a human and as a parent. Yeah, well, I've gotten a lot smarter over the years because, frankly, of Love Every, and we've worked with a lot of experts that understand the psychology behind sibling dynamics. And that is one of the biggest gifts for me as a parent is to start to unpack and understand what is going on deeply emotionally for each sibling in their in their moment of conflict, in their moment of, you know, kind of not being their their best self. Um, that has really helped. So I've learned a lot of a lot of things along the way, and I've made a ton of mistakes. So for many Thank years, you. did not have these experts, did not have this insight, <laughs> yeah. and um, it's also constantly evolving. And I think it depends on the stage. So there are very there's a lot of stages. Everything from you know for, from my toddlers, you know, really st- introducing that new baby to the toddler. I've learned so much about how it can be done better over the three children that I've had, and now even further understanding from our experts at Love Every. There's so many things to 
to know about what it feels like to be that toddler welcoming that new baby. It can, it can be really hard. So for me, it looked like, I think that my toddler is sweetly, gently touching my, the baby's cheek, but then it turns into something aggressive. And I don't know (laughs) if you've seen it, but it's sort of like become this like cheek swipe or like it starts out as like a hug, but then it's just too tight. And you can't tell if the toddler is just can't regulate or doesn't understand what gentle looks like, or if they're really passive aggressively trying to just get back and feeling some really big feelings about that new introduction of the sibling into the home. So there's so many things to unpack. That's, that would be an anecdote from the beginning. And now, you know, last night at dinner, uh, the the competition that happens Mm. with even just, just speaking at the dinner table of having the, the floor of um, seeing that my older kind of vulnerably sharing with me that he's jealous of his younger brother. And, you know, I, th- th- him admitting that was a, was a big deal for me um, yeah. this last week. And so there's just so many, so many layers to sibling mm-hmm. dynamics. It's where, yeah. where to start. So <laughs> there really are. And I, I really do think that a beautiful place to start is like is, is from the beginning. And I think initially when I say from the beginning, I think of like, oh, like so when you are expecting that another child is going to come into your home, right? Um, and you already got one, you know? Um, and But then I think when I, when I really think about the beginning, I think about actually my own experience with my own siblings, right? And growing up. And I think that there's a lot of data there, so much data in terms of what was hard, so that I can get into my child's world of understanding why this is hard and and also what I needed, you know, because maybe, you know, I, I don't think my parents' generation had the resources that I have now and, um, and had their own stuff too, right? And so that influenced how, you know, my, my, I have two brothers, my brothers and I, you know, were parented and how competition was bred, competitiveness and, and the comparison and those sort of things. And but there's so much data in that information, right? If I can go back there and and really think about what did I actually need someone to say in that moment or to notice or um, to support me with. And then I can bring that into my experience as a parent, right? Um, my colleague, Dr. Becky Kennedy, she talks about it like it's like the way that she kind of talks about like bringing a baby into the into the family, right? Is like it's like bringing in like another like husband, another partner, and it's like, hey, guess what? I met. I, there's this really great. You're gonna love them. They're wonderful. Like here is you know my my, my this other partner I'm gonna bring into the into the family, and you're gonna be like, wait, hold on, what? Like, and and then you're like, they keep telling you like this is gonna be great. You're gonna love this, and. And then it changes things though, right? Of course. And you're going to have feelings about it. And with my first, uh, speaking of making mistakes and and I've gotten to a place where I can honor my whole humanness and that comes with the territory, but I so badly wanted to build up the excitement around becoming a big sister I'd had a, a pregnancy loss before um, my before my son, and so he was our rainbow baby. And there was some heartbreak on her end too when we lost that baby before him. And I just, I just wanted the joy and the excitement. And so all it was, all that I held space for was like, this is going to be so exciting. You're going to get a brother. You're going to be such a great big sister. 
And then he came into the world and it was – things changed. It was hard. This little human cried a lot and that was overwhelming for her. I understand now that she has some sensory sensitivities and so it was just a very sensory overloading, emotionally overloading experience. But the message she was getting from me and from everyone else was like, aren't you so excited? You're such a good big sister. And it's like, hold on, there. That's there's a lot of other th- things that she was feeling that I wasn't holding space for. Speaking of siblings, my baby brother was visiting recently for my parents' wedding anniversary, and he got them some new sheets. And guess what they were? They were Bowling Branch. He's got great taste. But I was like, dude, did you know that I'm partnering with Bowling Branch and I could have given you a code for a discount? And he was like, what? Okay, so he didn't get the discount, but maybe you can. Let me tell you a little bit about Bowling Branch. Bowling Branch uses the highest quality threads on earth. Their sheets are made from slow-grown organic cotton. It's like sleeping in a cloud. They're buttery. They get better after every single wash. My husband and I both have different desires when it comes to a sheet. Like I get really cold, he gets really hot, and their signature hemmed sheets work for both of us. One thing my entire family can agree on is our love of Bowl and Branch. Make the most of bedtime with Bowl and Branch sheets. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code Dr. Cassidy at bowlandbranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's bowlandbranch, B O L L A N D branch.com. Promo code Dr. Cassidy. You know, and um, I think that was driven by anxiety and, and driven by other stuff too. But when I when I really find now entering my my child's world and experience and looking at it from the perspective of how would I have felt, you know, if my husband came home, he's like, there's, here's this new woman in our life and isn't she great? You're going to love, it's going to make things so much easier, like for you. I'd be like, wait, wait, hold on. I'd have a lot of feelings and can there be some space for that too, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it's helpful to reflect on our own relationship with the sibling dynamic Because I think that gives us data into the world of our child. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. And I think that there's also, I I totally agree. And I think that the one, the the thing that I would love to share is that it is such a long, evolving, lifelong relationship. And so it's so easy to put pressure on ourselves for those early moments, even early months. So many of our customers have come back to us and said that their older sibling is just really not interested in the baby or um, really wants the baby to go away for many months. And that's hard for a parent to feel that and to wonder if there ever will be a closeness or connection and how to handle that. But I think you're so right to say taking space and tuning into those feelings and thinking that so easy for us to think that days, months is forever. And it's it's not. I think you and I both have that vantage point of having three who are a little bit older who have a very evolving relationship you know, I think over time it can be really powerful to to feel that that it, we can take the time to to absorb that. So I think that's that's the one kind of main thing mm-hmm. I would say. And I think the other is is yeah that hype up of excitement. I, I the thing that um, I remember doing that exact same thing. The antidote that I hear from so many experts and that has worked for me and my family is this concept of special time, and mm-hmm. it's that one on one time if you can carve it out. 
where you have some kind of other caregiver for the baby. It can be 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, but it's some a time that a child can count on, the older child can count on that time, that one-on-one time with each caregiver or parent that they can choose what they want to do. This is the hardest one because I'm like, oh, let's, I have an idea. Let's do this special project that I I bought you this thing and I'm going to, let's do this Play-Doh project or whatever. That can work sometimes, but sometimes it's in the simplicity of doing a little roughhousing, a little pretend play, a little like you get to ride on my back and I'm going to crawl around the the bedroom. Um, So it doesn't necessarily feel that satisfying for us as as adults, Uh, but because it's not quote productive or project-based, but it is so meaningful to follow their lead on that connection. Mm -hmm. So letting them do whatever they want to do and you are really following their lead and and then really honoring trying to honor that that time where there isn't an interruption which is so hard with a with a new baby in the house and so setting yourself up yeah. for that somehow i remember feeling a lot of also feelings of really wanting to protect that baby and i know the science in early mm-hmm. childhood and and when you have a toddler and then a new baby you do want to reduce stimulation for that new baby and you want to you realize how much development is happening for them versus the mm-hmm. toddler, I think also making sure to manage your own feelings and and helping yourself give yourself a little grace with this is irritating that this toddler's coming in and interrupting like my one-on-one with my baby. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't have any big tips there. I just want to acknowledge that that feeling really happens and mm-hmm. it adds that layer of complexity. And then sometimes you feel guilt about the baby not getting enough attention. I'm not giving the baby the same that I gave the older child. Um, that's all just part of the mix. And just know from a, from a parent who's been there, who's done it, um, it does, you know, that stage is very acute, but you do get past that stage. And I think just honoring your own feelings in the process is is really important too. And I think, I think in terms of tips, like you, you offered one, I think can translate to this too, special time, right? And so in terms of activating support during that first year, part of that support might look like who in my life is someone that I, I know and I can trust and is playful and has the energy for a toddler to take them out of the house, right? So they can get out of the, the newborn haze of the house and, and get outside and go play. And and recognizing that like when guilt creeps up of like, oof, but now I'm missing that child as they are going out and I'm not experiencing this with them. That guilt is just offering data around, yep, you value presence. And right now, you doing this is allowing you to be present with your baby and you're honoring and recognizing that setting aside that special time with that child as well is also important to you. So thanks guilt for the message, but this is actually allowing me to be in alignment with that here with my baby. Um, one thing that I found that I found with um, the love, my love every play kits was I was like, okay, so I'm alone with my baby. Now what the heck do I do with them during their awake time? And and that was it was really nice to be like, okay, got it. Like here, here, here's what I can here here are some things that are supportive to that. And actually here's kind of like a little manual of what I can do with this because I'm sleep deprived and um, that part of my brain isn't firing on all cylinders right now. So the guidance and the kind of like structure around that I think was really helpful when there was so much happening around me that I couldn't control, right? That like was, there wasn't structure around as much as I tried. Um, and so, yeah, and I think that kind of brings me to this question of like how play can be incorporated into 
that early sibling relationship um, because I do think that this, like you said, it changes over time. You know, I've got a tween and an eight-year-old and their relationship is much different now um, than it was when, you know, she was a toddler and he was a baby. But I think that setting the stage with this connection and the capital that comes with that connection is is something that we, is really important to pay attention to. And so I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on how play can incorporate in this. Yeah, I love this point because I came to this recently myself and I wish I'd had this advice. So as much as there's special, it's important to have special time one-on-one with a parent for just a few minutes you know, a day, ideally, especially in those vulnerable times when you're sort of transitioning, the baby starts to crawl or you have toddlers that are competing. It's actually a really great idea. And I heard this from one of our experts is to have special time between the two of the children, children, allow for them also to have set aside time. And so if you can pull out one of the, you know, I, I think of I think of one of our love every items or something that you can do where they can have time or they can play together. And Mm -hmm. it's where you're not really necessarily um, directing the play, but you kind of let them be together and, and engage. Obviously you need to you know, monitor and oversee and making sure everybody's safe. (laughs) But if there's ways for them to have positive connection, I find that that has been something that I've tried to bring to my um, tween and my preschool Mm. or preschool and school age children. I wish I had done more of that. I wish I'd done more of that in preschool. I wish I'd done more of that. And, And I see that there's a real value to that, to that connection. Now, at this point, I try to uh, give them something to as a shared excitement, something for them to do together, especially with my seven-year-old girl and my 12-year-old boy. What can they, how can they have some fun together and try and come up with something that will be engaging for both of them, yeah. whether it's like a new graphic novel that the older child can read to the younger one or um, like a like an activity of some kind, like a little like a new puzzle, something that's fun for both of them to do together is is nice to present present them with. But I think, yeah, that special time and that play is is such a bonding it can be such a bonding experience. Yeah, I love that, and I love how you're. I really appreciate how you're 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 bridging those early years to those later years because I'm I'm I've I've experienced both and I'm in both, you know. So I'm like, oh, thank you. My brain my brain really appreciates that bridge. Um, but yes, so with our with our youngest, and again, my my middle child, you know, we had a pretty big gap in between, and so I want to honor like just the nuance of that. Um, but he he's really. Like even his teacher said, she's like, she's like he's still like very much like an like he can be in his imagination. I think eight year old boys sometimes they start to kind of pull out of that, but he's still she's like he's still at recess like in his imagination like you know making up little imaginary games and I'm like oh I love that for him, but it, it allows him I think to connect with his um, little sister in a really meaningful way. And and it's it's cool to see how like I'm just thinking of our most recent. Um, play kit that we opened. We opened it on um, the day that we started potty learning. So I was like, okay, we need some novelty and like we need, we need, I'm going to be hunkered down all weekend. And, um, and, you know, in that, so in that kit actually is um, a little spray bottle and a little, what would you even call this? What is squeegee. this called? Little... It's just a squeegee. Yeah. It's like a like squeegee. You, like you yeah. use in your shower or something. Yes. Yeah, right. And it's like so simple, but it was it was what they, they've used it all day together. So one way that we do it is he actually, because she's little, like I'll actually open it with him 
because oftentimes I want to kind of like pick and choose which we're going to pull out first. So I'll open it with him. He's, you know, it's kind of like a special thing, like, oh, you get to open this package, you know, and like together we'll decide what we're going to pull out to play with June. And he immediately was like, you know, spray bottle, give me that, you know? And then I, I, I figured out that the little squeegee like went with it. Um, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like we're going to have some like water movement. Maybe that'll get the like, you know, get the pee going. I don't know. Like this is a good, good match. And it was, it was, it was cool because it was his idea, right? These are these are little these are little kid toys in his in his mind, right? But like it was still his idea. He had some agency in that. And then, right, he could present it to her. Um, and then I think the ownership allowed him to feel like, well, I can play with this too then, because I'm like, you know, the big kid. It was my idea. Um, and then just, yeah, he'd spray, she'd squeegee, like, or she'd squeegee and he'd spray. And, you know, there's, there's lots of moments and opportunities for like, what does it mean to take turns? What does it mean to share? Like, you know, there are some toys that are his, that are special to him that he doesn't want to share and that's okay. And the, the same can go for her. Right. And so just honoring those pieces through those, op- through those moments of play, but I think it, it does to, to bridge it. I think it was helpful to kind of give him a little bit of ownership over that, um, and, and like leadership, I guess is the better word. And then, yeah, and then bridging it to the older. So between him and our oldest, you know, he he does say sometimes like Riley doesn't play with me anymore, um, and that I can tell hurts, right? Um, and I think it's another one of those opportunities to be like, yeah, let me, let me validate that for you. Like as she's getting older her interests are going to change. She's changing. You're changing. And sometimes there's growing pains, right? And growing pains can hurt in a relationship. Name it, validate it. It's real. That feeling is real in your body. And then, and then, and then I think that opens our, our door to like creativity of like, what are some ways that they can connect. And I think that's where our role as a parent can come in, right? In terms of like, I love your idea of graphic novels. I think that um, that is creative because it's reading, it's a book, but there's pictures for the person who's the non-reader maybe at that moment. Um, and and I just think that there's, there's ways that we can make that bridge while honoring that there's some growing pains and how it's shifted and how it's changed. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens every day. You know, when I was pregnant, I was so good about taking my prenatal vitamins and then all of a sudden no longer pregnant and I found that it was really hard to keep up that self-care habit. One of my intentions in this year is to get better about caring for myself outside of my role as a mom. My body deserves to be cared for even when there isn't a little human being growing in my body. I have a few friends who are my go-tos when it comes to wellness and health, and they all take AG1. So when Athletic Greens reached out, it was a no-brainer. It's delivered every month, so it's super easy to make it a daily habit. I scoop it, I pour it in some water, I stir it, and I get 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients of the highest quality with major benefits like gut health, and boosted energy, and even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. 
If you are looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash holding space. That's athleticgreens.com slash holding space. Check it out. I love, I love hearing that. I, I love that. I think it is, it is so fun. I, I think oftentimes things that we think are for a younger child are so interesting to an older child, especially if it is technically the younger child's possession. And so I think allowing for that <laughs> yeah. play to happen is, is so great. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's talk a little bit about, you brought up um, comparison. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, because, you know, I think it's very natural for our brain to compare, right? It's a part of us that I think we're wired for. It really, it really serves us and helps us as we navigate a new environment situation to look around and to be like, well, what are others doing? Um, and I think in a family system, as we're you know growing up and trying to make sense of who we are in the world, it makes so much sense that we look to those who are the closest around us, right? Um, that we see every day to be like. Am, how am I similar? How am I different? What what seems to make my parents light up? What seems to get them frustrated? And you know, we do that as a way to make sense of who we are, and also as a as a way to keep us safe, right? As we just try to figure out different environments and you know what's kind of expected of us and and all of that. Very natural for the brain to do that. But then I think the siblings, the, the sibling relationship becomes uh, very important <laughs> as we are looking around to see how others are doing things and how we might be similar or different. So it's a very natural process that can oof, be incredibly painful. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on, on navigating that with our kids. Yeah. I mean, it can show up in so many ways. I think one of the, you know, questions is around fairness. That's a that's something that a lot of kids, you know, bring up at an early age, you know, but it's, I think somehow communicating to your child that fair is not necessarily equal, but it's about giving each child what they need in that, in that moment of time. So for my daughter and my younger daughter, my older son, my 12-year-old is going to eat a bigger dessert than my seven-year-old. And I think mm -hmm. that, you know, she wants it to be fair. She wants just as many cookies. She wants just the same size of ice cream. And I think it's about saying, we're going to give you what your body needs and Leland is mm -hmm. going to get what his body needs. Um, so it's, it's somehow trying to uh, offer that individuality into the perspective. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, there's, you compliment one child and then you really want to come up with a compliment mm. for the other child. And I think helping the child, you know, realize that, you know, when you're, um, when I see your brother, I'm doing this, 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 this wonderful thing that he's done and, and that we're all excited around the dinner table. We're talking about our, you know, our son, I'll give an example of like my, my middle child loves to create things and make things. And so he's showing us this thing that he made and you can just see the competition starting to form among the other children, but look at what I did and look what I did. And I think it's just, um, we all, you know, we all have talents. We all have things that we're good at. And let's right now we're celebrating your brother. And another time, you know, tomorrow night at dinner, do you want to plan a share? And do you want to mm -hmm. share something that you're excited about and want to come up with some things? Because I think it's also about not taking the air out of the room and coming up with another compliment or another trying to, uh, um, 
quickly slap a solution on um, in that moment and make everybody feel seen. You know, I think that my, I don't know if your kids do this, but my kids are like, but you, you know, really what they're trying to get is, but you love me the most, right? They just want me to admit it. They want me to admit that that I love them the most. I love them even more than daddy even. Like, do you love me more than daddy? (laughs) Be asked that last night um, at bedtime. And she, you know, um, and so I think it's just, I love, I have so much space in my heart and I love each one of you because you're the only one of you that has ever been and that ever will be. And it's, I, my life has been changed because of you and just helping to continue to shine a light on them. I think that special time really helps too, the sibling sibling rivalry. I think that just giving that one-on-one as much as it doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be for very long, but sometimes where we can, they can count on that one-on-one time can, can really help. If we want to talk about there's competition, then there's fights. And if Mm -hmm. we can just pivot to fights for a minute, I think that it's been so, um, important. And I'm sure that everybody hears this and and in the parenting literature now, but it's something that I didn't really practice early on. It was actually a little bit hard for my husband to do as well, because mm-hmm. I was kind of consuming a little bit more of the parenting content because I was so excited mm-hmm. about all these experts they were engaging with. When you see your children competing and fighting, it's so important to not take sides as a parent, even if you see the last moment where I think my middle child sat on my youngest child's face and (laughs) hurt her like nose like significantly. And she was just like bawling. And my husband just was like, you know, wanting to protect that younger child. You know, you get into protective mode and he just got so upset, rightfully so. But we don't know all of the things that led up to that moment. We don't know what it was like earlier in the day. We don't know what happened the day before. We've maybe even been there where we've seen one child get disciplined and the other one kind of snicker and be like, I won because you got, you know, I got mm. you, the parent got you. Yeah. And you're like, wait a second. I thought you were the victim. You're not. <laughs> so I think one of the tools that we learned in Montessori is a peace talk. And it is, there's, it's a simple thing. It's, it's when they're calm enough. They can be pretty upset still, but you just need a little space sometimes. Can't be super hot. Um, but having them both sit down, I try to kind of touch each one of them and not have one of them on my lap or be, you know, really cuddling with one of them versus the other, even if one is is more upset. And let them each talk to each other and really try to continue to redirect. Even if they're young, don't have a whole lot of words, try and speak for the younger child, give them a voice, help them articulate why they're upset. Each one of them takes a turn. It can take a really long time to kind of get through it, try to stick with it and let see what happens. Sometimes they actually work things out. Sometimes that can even happen in a moment of competition of like, you took my thing and I wanted that thing and we're both fighting over it they can come up with a solution that you might not have even thought of yourself. Mm. And so I have had moments of success there, but I do know that it's even less about the success with the peace talk and more about the avoiding the failure of taking a side that has worked mm. well for us and our family. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I'm, I'm looping back to, you know, earlier when, when we were talking about, um, like reflecting on our own history and our, if we have if we had siblings and our how our parents kind of navigated those things and also just like the data that it offers in entering our child's world and how in these moments like you mentioned like sometimes like there's 
a little bit of space that has to happen before somebody's ready to have that kind of peace talk. And I think that what can support, I know it can help me, and I, I've, I, can, I believe from understanding the child's brain that like it can help a child as well, is if in that moment the child needs to feel like there isn't like you don't see me as bad and like there isn't something wrong with me and that like I'm not the only one that does these things and feels these things sometimes, right? Like so they don't they, – they got to not feel alone in all of that. And so I think that sometimes what can be a really nice bridge to getting to the peace talk is, oh, buddy, are you feeling frustrated, you know, naming the feeling or if they have if – they, if they've already – done some feeling stuff and they can like, you know, share what it is that they're feeling and to just be like, I get it. I do. And even maybe sharing a little anecdote or story of like with your own siblings or um, something where you can relate to their experience, right? Um, and and then asking, can has there ever been a time, like if like say they, they grab the toy, has there, have you had the experience ever where somebody's taken something from you like without asking when you wanted it. And like most likely there's going to be like a yeah, right? And so there's also then just building that like empathy muscle a little bit. Like you don't have to say too much after that, right? It's just like they, they, they're feeling less alone and less shame in that moment because you're saying, I've done this too. I have felt that too, right? That urge or that, that moment where I just get so angry or so frustrated that like these things come out of my body, you know, these words come out of my mouth and you're not alone in that. And can you relate to the experience that the sibling is feeling, right? Like, and then, and then, and then I think there's like, in that we can find regulation and connection. And like you said, it might, the peace talk might not even be about them saying sorry, right? I don't think that forcing the sorry is going to, again, it's not going to be authentic, right? Like they might not just have their sorry voice yet. And so we might, you know, we might be a part of supporting that, you know, but I think that it, it builds connection. So our kid doesn't feel so alone in that moment. And again, with both children, and again, different ages, different scenarios. So if you're talking to both or if just one is more verbal and that's the one you're talking to while making sure the other is, you know, okay and, and not hurt. Um, but then then coming to that conversation. And again, like you said, the peace talk just allows us to kind of stay grounded ourselves as parents so that we're not in that position of picking sides, of blaming, of the finger pointing of, right, which just can breed, yeah, the comparison, the competitiveness, but also um, can unfortunately lead to more disconnect with with my child, you know, um, in a moment where they're really actually needing to feel like I see their goodness and they're not alone. Yes, totally. I love that. I love that tip. I, I really love that of just really relating to your child and telling a story from your own past and then helping them feel like they're not, they're not bad. They didn't, you know, they, that they're not, that they're okay. And, and really, but also letting them know that, you know, there is a situation here that we need to deal with. Yeah. So, and that's right. perfect. Right. And it's still my job to set the boundary, like, yeah. you know, like, and they, yeah. they need that. Like they, they what they're going to feel safe in is both the connection. I'm not alone in my experience with this, within my family and with you. And I know that someone is here to keep us safe, right? Like someone in here, here is in charge and is going to make sure that my body doesn't get hurt or that 
my urge isn't going to lead me to hurt somebody else's body or feelings or, right? Like someone in here, someone here is in charge. Like they need that too for that sense of security and that sense of safety. Yes. Um, mm. So anything that you would add to this like empathy muscle too that we can build for our kids um, when it comes to opportunities in the sibling dynamic? Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the things I read and, and understood from, from some research is that there's a lot of empathy that's actually built through reading books, which is mm. so interesting. But if you can see another story of another child, and this happens through adolescence. I think that adolescents can really build their empathy through reading stories of, that are of children who are different from them and have different experiences and they really can broaden their, their, their de- develop their empathy. It also really is effective at the toddler stage and at the early childhood stage. So I would say that a lot of the tools that we feel have been most effective at Love Every have been the books. So we have a book about a play date and it's about two children that are um, fighting over a toy and one of them throws a has really big feelings and gets really upset and there's a there's a rupture and a repair and mm-hmm. you know I think that uh, seeing other children go through those similar experiences help them to understand a different perspective than they might if they're just going through that experience themselves in real life totally. so they can relate to it but then they're also um, able to um, kind of have that 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 uh, vantage point of seeing what it's like to be on the other side. We also have a book about two siblings competing over a measuring tape and I'm better and I'm measuring myself higher and I'm doing this, you know, Mm -hmm. I want this thing. I found this thing and you can't have it. And I'm playing with it in a cool way that you can't do. And I think that we do model this kind of peace talk in, in the book. And I think it's been such an effective tool for parents to be able to refer to that. So that storytelling, that like developing empathy through tools has has been a really powerful um, element in 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 my parenting. Um, I found it to be like really fun. You know, it's a fun way to connect and very helpful. And then I've also found at Love Every, we found that it's been great for 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 all families to to be able to see other children in in uh, in this kind of really real life context. Oh, I think it's, I want to echo that the books to portray such real life examples with real children. It's, 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 it's photo. It's, it's not. And, and I think there's, I think that, you know, uh, graphic illustrations are beautiful, but there's something about seeing like an actual person, like with, a uh, like crying with it, with a sad face, right. Um, with tears coming out. Um, you guys have a book that has like a bath moment where water gets in the child's eyes and they're crying. And they're like, even just the exposure of like, it's not happening to me, but I'm seeing the feeling and I'm seeing the thing happen that I don't like either. Um, My youngest does not like getting water in her eyes. um, And she, at first, she loved the book, but she wanted to skip that page. Like she would like, she would like try to like force me to not look at that page. And, and, you know, I think I, I think I honored that at first. And then I was like, I had to think on like, what's, what's going on there? And I'm like, oh, I think that's. It's, a, it's an, an intense thing for her to witness, right? But even just the little exposure for her for her brain to actually see, oh, I can look at this, the feeling and the experience, and I can handle that. I mean, like there's like 
I'm trained in um, exposure response therapy for for anxiety and for OCD. And I'm like, that, this is like a – that's a gold standard. Like this is a thing like for the brain to expose ourselves to these things. And, um, and I think that that – it's like doing a little exposure work there with her and um, naming the feeling and – but then again, yet yeah, having the vantage point of like, this isn't happening to me. And wow, gosh, other people have these experiences. Maybe I'm not the only one, right? Maybe it's not that I'm too much, right? Or whatever the case might be. It's like, oh, this is a thing. This is part of what makes me human. And I think books have a beautiful way of offering that. And, and I love I love the way that the books are, are pulled together. Um, and there's one that comes in every kit that we've received at least. So um, it's really, really cool. Uh Okay, I'm looking at the time. I could talk to you for so much longer, Jessica, because I have just so thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Um, but I do want to give you a chance to share with folks where they can learn um, more about you, connect with you, I, I learn more about Love Every and the different ways in which Love Every is educating parents as well. Oh, thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been so wonderful. I would say that we have an email list that I really recommend all new parents and, and parents of, of toddlers join. It's stage-based. It's a weekly child development tip. It's just one bite-sized nugget. And we have um, a lot of people on this email list that are loving and opening these emails every week and finding a lot of value. So that is a free resource. And I just really, you know, you can find it at loveevery.com, L-O-V. E-V-E-R-Y.com. And then of course the play kits, um, just, you know, I think just trying them and really starting to see, I think we kind of think, oh, there's so much stuff. I don't need another thing. Um, but to this point of really trying to lean in, our mission is to try and help parents through every stage. And we really are a child development company. You know, I would say kind of in closing, there's so much development that is happening in these early years. And we just really want to help parents with the knowledge of expertise, like the expertise that you have, and bring that forward so that you can feel good about what you're doing to feel like you're giving your child the very best start. So mm -hmm. thank you again for this opportunity. Thank you so much for coming on. I'll be sure to share links so that folks can quickly connect um, in the show notes. And again, Jessica, thank you so much. This was so wonderful. Oh, so great to talk to you, Cassidy. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air. And go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also... For you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.